Welcome along to LOI Weekly. We are into the 16th episode of Season 3. Um, I was actually talking to some of my old Satanta colleagues in there this morning and couldn't believe we're into this, we're well into the Season 3 of LOI Weekly. It's been a fun ride with myself, Johnny Ward, and Daniel MacDonald. How are you, Dan? I'm good, John. How are you? You were in New York for the weekend. I was, yeah. I haven't even asked you, not, not even off air, I haven't even asked you how you got on. Well, you, you were late because of the ridiculous traffic in Dublin, yeah. um, which I think has actually um, befallen Brian Garton as well. He'll be on the show. He's run a bit late. I think once it starts raining in Dublin, we figure out how bad a city this actually is for traffic. Uh, Dante Leverock's going to be joining us on Skype. Um, Dante has an awful lot to talk about at the moment. Thankfully, he's looking ahead to playing for Bermuda uh, next month in a massive, massive tournament in the homeland. We'll talk about that as well. We're on Podcast Republic, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes. We're at LOI Weekly on Twitter. We're with Airsports and Independent.ie. And uh, as ever, Dan, we've we've plenty to discuss today on and off the pitch. How did you go on in New York? You didn't actually answer my question. Grand, yeah. It was... Um it was strange, like when you go to New York for what was it, four days? A it's, long weekend. It, it, yeah, it's a bit mad. Like, and there was a wedding, and then there was the follow-on of the wedding, and I was working. I still did There's a bit an of element work. to bust the boom about that whole, you know, long weekend in New York. Yeah. Have any of them had this year now? I've and I've been there twice, but uh, long weekends both times. Yeah. Like the flights were pretty inexpensive, and when I go over there, then I tend to stay with my cousins. It's 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 actually one of the cheaper holidays I can have. Really? If yeah. I went to Europe, like those trips to, to the Dundalk games in 2016 cost way more than any trip to New York for me. Um, yeah. Maybe I just don't buy any drink over there and let them all buy it for me. Yeah, but, um, play the Irish card. But it is actually, the time difference for three or four days, you're kind of skewed either way. You're it's actually either. fine going over. Going over Coming back then, I was, going back is what killed I was banjoed on Monday. Like, I didn't yeah. know what, I couldn't sleep Tuesday night. I'm, I couldn't sleep great last night but um in any event uh so you were following but you were following games when you were away were you? yeah yeah um I, I of course yeah and obviously the Sligo game was on um the box so i got that on the mob row um so johnny Dunevey get injured which is um you know regrettable but it, it, it sounds like he's been happy with the season he's had yeah. obviously dante who we're ha- we've had on that was a scary moment we've got yeah we've got dante coming on later mm. Um, yeah, I mean, I was up uh, at Oriel Park for uh, Dundalk Pats game. Goal and, of the season uh, contender, uh, Sean Hoare. <laughs> fluke of the season, although he got his body into a good position, but it was, it was still a massive fluke. Um, but you know, what was the game like? You're, you're, you're following the updates, you know, and uh, sorry, just well, two things, like, two questions at once. Um, firstly, you're, I was looking at the live score and you're seeing and then Twitter and stuff and I was trying to I even had the game up and it was like 18 minutes of first half injury time you know what what like what has happened here but obviously very serious for, for both Danny Corcoran and Dante Leverock so I kind of wish them both the best we've got Dante coming on massive commiserations from uh, us to Dinny one of the yeah. one of the friends of the show and yeah. there was a really He's strange gonna, atmosphere in Daily Mode after the two instances it just went very quiet it seemed like it was surreal and listen it's very serious for Dinny but I mean I'm not even trying to be facetious but I mean he's can you imagine how, how good his trivia and countdown skills are going to be after a long term injury you if know, Dini doesn't come back stronger in terms of countdown anyway I'd be disappointed yeah. no, he's, listen, a, he's an awful lot of time and also it gives opportunities to the likes of Ryan Swan and to the both players that have to accept the mantle now yeah. because Dini's a huge loss Well, I think you know Ross Tierney I think impressed in the League Cup on, on Monday and I think there's one or two players coming home from England that both are going to be uh, probably jostling for as well but you know they, like it's, it's a really unfortunate injury for Dini but I suppose um, you know the, the sort of ability he has when he gets back he'll be fine he's not someone who's sort of relying on this explosive pace. pace or anything like that you know so like he it's just obviously in this league because the fixtures are so congested any kind of serious injury just seems like it's doubly 
uh, hurtful in the sense of the you know the what you can miss you know so um, it looks a horrible um, just one of these twist, things yeah, yeah. No, I don't know it's just it's one of these freakish things that happens I mean the knock pass wasn't very good on Friday at all we had a situation in Waterford UCD where Pro Neil Ferruja pulled up towards the. Um, the end of the game and he's missing the Toulon tournament which is really unfortunate for I him. feel really sorry for dreadful, him I have to say. Dreadful because I mean, he, they, they absolutely love him in the 21 camp and even just speaking to some of the management and stuff and uh, you made the point as well in the paper today his dad is French yeah, he, added significance to I think the family I know the family had all booked their holidays to go around the Toulon thing and you know he's obviously in the shop window his career is going to he's going to do very well in football a so, hamstring like. but the problem is yeah and the problem is and you know the North Pats my general point is North Pats wasn't very good you've got injuries you've got sloppiness you've got fatigue I mean too many games yeah and is it, listen anyone who's a League of Iron fan listens to this like oh here we go again it's so bloody obvious. So we, we can't really debate it because no, there's no new points to be made to the debate. But like things happen. Like there's consequences for this. You know, there's there's consequences for overloading players and there's consequences for overloading games. You know, the dog Pats game on Friday was just really flat, really disappointing. Was it? Yeah, it's just it just was. But it was. Was it, that to do with Pats parking the bus or well, were they? Well, yeah, like Pats like Pats had a plan, but you know they were disciplined enough and and like they probably. As much as the knock were battering the door down, like we can talk to Brian about it in a while. Um, but I just thought the overall game itself, there was just the stodginess about it. The knock played bows in this epic game, which I wasn't at four, four days late previously. Pats had, had 24 hours, um, you know, less preparation. So, like, their performance in the circumstances was very impressive. And, and Pats Because they had the same team, they were unchanged, whereas the knock had four changes. So, Pats had beat Derry in the Tuesday. But I spoke to a few Pats lads after the game, and they said they were banjoed in the second half they were really tired and then they played on Dawkins yeah and they, and they and they got a bit tired towards the end and there was a load of corners and the dog emptied the bench but they actually like Pats quit themselves quite well In the, I know there were people were like oh they were running the clock and they were doing this that's just that's what you do. Do, do people but, but, underestimate but, but, actually how how physically demanding this league can be at times in terms of the the the, the physical nature and speed of playing at this level? I, I don't th- I don't know if it's underestimated, but like I think people appreciate it's a good level of football, and uh, naturally another code. And we're going into the debate about this now, but another codes in this country they talk about burnout. You know, they talk about burnout at GEA level sometimes, and talking about burnout. Okay, not so much in rugby because it's always likely spaced out. But obviously, you know, our our rugby players here because they're centrally controlled. You know, they actually they their, their games are managed, managed and managed yeah. very carefully in comparison mm. to in other countries. Whereas, like footballers in this country, just get flogged for periods of time. Like, and there's, you know, we we talk about well, this is bad for fans, which it is. Bad for attendances, which it is. Bad for the quality of games, which it is. But it's also like for players, it, there's a risk element attached. Playing to on astroturf pitches uh, at times as well. Yeah, and I, I I don't know. I just I just think someone like you know, for, you can imagine someone like Frugia. You watch someone like Frugia play. He's like a strong running player, you know, and and. Uh, you know his physicality and his, his bursts of like short bursts of speed in the game and and so on and you just can't keep going to the well too often and uh, and I and again like you know uh, we we go into this bizarre scenario where I I do understand ultimately I understand why games have been called off because of Toulon but the absolute absurdity now of uh, I think it was at Waterford who have what eight or nine games in 35 days and have no games for 35 days after it. Like, I mean, it's just bizarre. How did the Toulon tournament not form part of the mid-season break? Well, or is that well, the mid-season break the is fixed. I think that the mid-season break probably, we're, we're now going into this debate that everyone has heard before. No, but it's so, important. You think that has to go and midweek games have to go? 
Uh, well, midweek games, there, there'll always be some midweek Unless games. Unless you, you manage them around bank holidays or like I don't think you can St. Have Patrick's th- Day or something like I don't that. I don't think you can have three, week, three midweek games in a month. Mm. You know, but I think there, there will always be some midweek games. I, don't, I think like, you know... You, you, like you know, the championship, you know, in League One and League Two, like they, they have forty-six game season. Bigger squads, though. You, no, they have bigger squads, but they don't have a six-week breakdown in the middle yeah. of the season as well. Yeah. for some of the teams, you know, for European cancellations and so on. So that there's a balancing act between the two. I don't really have an issue. Look at the start of the season, having you know a Friday, Monday, Friday, just as the, it actually builds momentum. I think actually some players at that stage seem to like it. It sort of helps to sharpen. We talking Patrick Huben about before about. The game sharpened them up. It's just when you get to now and the erratic nature of it. Mm. Like the mid-season break needs to go around the international international break in the summer because we're always going to have players involved. You know the the scheduling of the league cup and and I think the, the we're always going to have players around. involved. I think we're always going to have players involved at underage international level now going forward. That's that's without a shadow of a, of a doubt. Like there's no, no doubt about that. We'll have a good um, chat about the Toulon. Uh, Debate in terms of players going over and Stephen Kenny's point of view when Brian Gartland comes in. Well, well, I don't know if he will. Well, maybe like next, you know. I, I, I think I think it's it's because particularly Stephen Bradley's point of view on it and the fact that like Rovers and Waterford didn't really need to be called off on Friday. Being honest, like they could have had a forty-eight hour window. We have the Kelleher situation where Rovers wanted that game to be played. Um, obviously the, they don't have any player in the squad. Yeah, but, uh, Kenny I, probably should have a player in the squad as well, which is another bizarre thing. But uh, who should they have in the squad? Well, Trevor Clark and Brandon Cavan would, mm. would have been un- unfortunate. But it's, it's it's a decent squad. But anyway, um, well, I think that Stephen Kenny's. I was down yesterday, and Stephen Kenny's argument with regard to Cleveland Keller is that Cleveland Keller is not going to. Pl- everyone knows he's not going to play on Saturday. He's not going to be involved in in the game on Saturday. Kind of convenient, but, though. But he's around, no, I know, but he's around the squad. But if 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 you have Zach Albazetti and um, Drennan, Drennan Drennan, who play a, a demanding ninety minutes on Friday, uh, does that impact on their ability to play uh, their first match in Tula on, on Monday? In terms of like their body recovery, also the twenty ones are playing. The thing is, the individual players themselves, the twenty ones are playing against the senior team um, tomorrow, Thursday, in a in a behind closed doors game. So could be interesting. Those players themselves, you're going to sneak in like um, take them out, but we're not being allowed. Like Marco, like Bielsa's spy. No, no, no. we used to be allowed into be be good. Be good article, but it'll probably ruin your journalistic career forever. I mean, but it's like it's a senior team playing the twenty one. That's not exactly like nah, uh, it's, it's not breaking it's like not, water. Uh, it's, not, it's not. It's not. It's not a board meeting. Just you know? on which is real box office <laughs> of the moment. But uh, I I couldn't help but think this was another massive three points for Dundalk because Rovers were winning and Dundalk. This is what three. I can just string off from the top of my head the two Bulls games. There's three very late winners. An awful scruffy goal, but got the job done. Yeah, like I mean, they, they, I just didn't think. Like they've been very good lately, and I just didn't think they were particularly good in this game. Mm. And I, I don't even think you can just make the the an excuse about. I think that the the, the excuse on on matches that's for both teams. I'm talking about general quality of the game. I'm not saying that excuses their performance because actually, as I said, they made four changes and they have an ability to freshen things up that other teams do. But yeah, maybe like you know, teams will sit in against them as they will sit in against you know top sides in the league. And as I said, Pats were were actually very well drilled and disciplined. And they just struggle to really, to really play through them with any fluency, you know. Like compared to in other games, and honestly, with ten minutes to go, I didn't think they were going to get that 
that that winner at all. You know, it, it, it wasn't it wasn't a sense of inevitability about it like like it seemed to be with the Bowes game on Monday, where it was ch- I was following it from Portugal. It was like chance, 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 chance. The what it was it wasn't really. You know, we went we went brought Georgie Kelly on as a second striker, brought Daniel Kelly on with two minutes to go, and even he made a small difference in a small period of time. And that is the one thing about the squad that they just keep coming at you. Me, me uh, and the Hoobinator have had an interesting back, uh, back, back story in terms of uh, a bit of cracking off the ball last year. But is Georgie Kelly a realistic um, threat to Hooban in terms of starting on that team? Um, I, I really don't think so. No, right. but like that's, but that's how good is Georgie Kelly? But George, I don't think we know how good George Kelly is, though. The flip side of that is, I don't think we know how good he is because. Um, I mean, he's, he's he's basically started one Premier Division game in his life, you know, and he's a very talented player. I mean, a couple of years back, you know, the dog would have, uh, between Hubert and McMillan, and then McMillan and Kilduff, mm. they've always had like a, a very good option off the bench, and they maybe have to wait off those until that player leaves, until they they get their opportunity. And I'm sure Kelly's going to get frustrated. What will Brian Gartland say now when I ask him that when he comes in? He'll answer... He'll answer Diplomatically. He'll answer diplomatically like a, like a senior pro. He'll talk about... Um, will he defend Jarvis's um, bleached hair? Well, Sean Murray as well. Sean yeah, Murray actually, went there first. Yeah, yeah oh, he was first. Yeah, yeah. It's like the, the Romanian team of 94. I think they all did To it. a modern pro, it's more of an Aguero thing. Yeah. Rather than the... Dylan Watts had a bit of a laugh. Most of them weren't born in 1994, you know, which is Jesus. the slight, which is the slight. Uh, oh my god! I'm sure, you have to get your head around there that's, with that one. That's grim. Yeah, we're just um, like with every passing year, we just begin to sound like the old lad that you wouldn't have listened to when you were younger. Going, what's going on? Because like it's one of these things. Now the boy own um, our producer was saying he was wrecked from the weekend. He had a wedding and he was training and blah blah blah. And I was like. Dude, wait till you're mid thirties. Yeah, and like you know, Owen's from the generation now. It's the gym generation. They're mm. after three bottles of Peroni. Instagram. Like yeah. you know what I mean? Or, or three bottles of Peroni yeah. and maybe water down Peroni. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you know, recovery shake the following day and vodka and water. You know, yeah. Um, but um, also, obviously, Rovers got the job done. And Joey O'Brien with his first goal for the club. I think lovely yeah. left-footed finish. Do you know what the the like you think about the World Cup in twenty fourteen? Like you think like. 1966 is closer to 1994 than 1994 to 2014. So, like, you know, think about that. that Jesus. Like, when we were watching the World Cup in 1994, you know, there'll be people Getting who really could remember 1966. We're going to be those people shortly talking about 1994 World Cup. Getting really depressed here. Anyway, yeah. Derry, Derry Ro- Harps well. That's not my answer to the Rovers thing. Um, but uh, Joe yeah. jo- 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 O'Brien... Like and Lopez, and that's the thing. Like goals around the team. Yeah, they've they've, you know, they've chipped in with goals to defenders. Like, and uh, I don't know. I watched the highlights. Trevor Clark looked really good. He was involved in nearly everything. And um, I don't know. Did Cork? Cork didn't create much at all. Um, I I don't think Cork have actually improved much since Coffee left. I think they've eked out a couple of wins where they didn't concede and were probably didn't have a lot of the ball. Yeah, they've um, they've tried. I mean, they've, they've still third last. They've introduced. Uh, People who've watched them consistently can see that they're, they've tried to play a bit more at times, but ultimately um, they're not getting results. They're not going to solve and it that, overnight. Well, no, and that see the problem is right. Like whatever bounce they had now is probably gone. So in terms of the concerns, they're Sean McDonald could be gone. It looks like he's uh, he could be on the way. Well, the concerns that they have about uh, say attendances and and the, this whole debate over their their weekly. Uh, you know what did they estimate for weekly attendances and weekly turnouts and so on? Um, they're not. There's no game now that they're suddenly going to get crowd coming in out of anticipation and enthusiasm. So that's going to be a challenge for them. Um, 
looking ahead. I mean, Europe obviously would be a big thing, and and yeah, maybe selling a player or something. Derry Harps, yeah, I mean Harps sounds like they were actually very disappointed about the performance. They actually, Derry have lost. Derry have beaten Harps twice over the weekend because they beat them again in the A Sports Cup on Monday, and Cork lost again by losing the Bows on Monday, and the dog beat UCD and, and UCD lost in Waterford on on uh, on Friday. So. I mean, the, the the form situation at the moment is that the, the top two are now, there's 12 points between second and third. That's and happened very quickly. And there's 12 it? points between eighth and ninth. So you've got a, you know, a two-horse race at the top and at the bottom. Um, that's, that's it, was, it, it, it was just interesting after the game that um, um, Declan Devine was... Uh, you know, speaking, uh, you know, the way you love hearing the Derry uh, lads talking because it's like Derry's a place where a win is a one. That's because right? you, you, that's because you've you've added Derry to your recent repertoire, repertoire. Of, of impressions. But, but it, can it, you give us a Declan Devine impression now? Uh, if you're going to talk about his post match, can you give it to me in the style of Declan Devine? Uh, I don't know. I'll try to get him on the show soon. Maybe before the end of nah, the show. Come on, John. I know, you, I know you're going to do it off air. Um, I don't yeah. really do Deck and Divine. Ah. But come here, he, 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 he sounded like. Who, who, <laughs> did you do a Kevin Deary by any chance? Ah, <laughs> uh, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> your man's uh, doing an impression no, here. No, no, absolutely not. But uh, no, no, Kevin. Your man's doing an impression. In typical Gaelic games manager mode, he's he started going on the defensive like that. People were saying like you know, oh, we're we, we've we've gone on a bad run, and if they if they if they want to think uh, this league is easy, they should try to manage in it. Um, but I was like, I can't listen to you do it in your own voice. Now, Johnny, it's just it's not natural. But no, you're, you're uh, this is like at the wedding. I was summoned to sing, but I was like, I've had a few drinks here. I'm going to forget the words of whatever they asked me to sing. So I just ran off to the toilet for about five minutes and what came back, and everyone to, had forgotten. What were they asking you to sing? Would have been either Raglan Road or um, some old Irish ditty I used to sing twenty years ago yeah. before my voice broke. Yeah. But um, now, now you just now you just whistle national anthems. It's like <laughs> that's not Raglan Road. That's the I, national anthem of Tajikistan. Okay, okay. I think it's time to uh, Watford beat UCD one 0 as well. If we didn't get through all the results, get the first generator. I think it's time to talk to uh, one of uh, one of your favourite interviewees, maybe um, of the season so far. Uh, well, I mean, I, I was down in Sligo a couple of months back to speak to Dante Leverock and, and Romeo Parks um, about. You're always interested in the sort of the 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 outsiders coming to our league and what their journey is and what their story is, and and they've both travelled interesting journeys. But obviously, um, you know, Dante was in the news for the wrong reasons on Friday when he was levelled out in the pitch at Daily Mount for some time. So yeah, we got a chance to catch up on him earlier on. Dante, how are you? Um, I'm doing okay. Usually when you ask somebody that, it's like, yeah, I'm grand, but you you have a little bit of an interesting story to tell from Friday. When uh, yeah. I, I was watching this game, um, actually on a, a laptop in uh, New York, and uh, even mm. from there I could hear you bashing into your goalkeeper. Yeah. Yeah, it was a, it was a scary situation, you know, but um, to be honest, I don't remember much from the actual incident. Um, I just remember being in the ambulance probably toward the end when I was getting close to the hospital. So, uh, yeah, apparently I was uh, unconscious, but, you know, Ed's a big guy, so that collision. <laughs> um, but um, I'm all good now and, um, you know, spoken to Ed as well and I got a lot of messages from the fans and stuff, so that was nice, but I'm doing well. Have you, have you actually been able to watch the incident back, Dante? Is that something that you've done? Yeah, I watched it um, the day after. I, I didn't... I didn't want to watch it that day because, you know, it felt, um, you know, you felt, you feel a little scared when you're seeing yourself like that. But I watched it and, um, 
yeah, he he hit me pretty hard. Um, <laughs> yeah, to say the least. Yeah, yeah. 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 I was yeah. kind of watching and I was saying this cannot happen. Like, I mean, the ball was hanging for about two minutes in the air. I was like, one yeah. of you just has to call first. Yeah, and to be honest, um, I don't think I heard him call. And I, watching the video, I'm pretty sure I was gonna either head it back to him, or head it to the right and just clear it. But you know, I didn't hear him call at all. And, um, you know, we spoke about that and, you know, he knows as a goalkeeper now, you know, he's got to scream as, as, as loud as possible if he's going to come out and, and, you know, get the ball. But, you know, it's all part of football. So, Dante, like, I know because there was obviously people in the ground at the time who, who obviously saw oxygen and, you know, a brace being fitted and so on. And, you know, there was obviously a lot of worry there. Um, what injury did you actually sustain? I mean, was it just a case of the head injury from, from being knocked out? Or, like, how are you... You know what, what? What's the actual situation with the injury, and what, what were the doctors telling you the following day, or that night? Yeah, yeah, it was a it was a concussion, but um, you know I don't remember when I was on the ground. But the physio uh, Tom was telling me that you know they just wanted to make sure it wasn't you know spinal or neck, mm. so that's why they had put in the brace on, and um, I wasn't uh, responsive like they were asking me questions and i couldn't answer why i was on the ground so i think that's why they gave me the oxygen and stuff okay but um like i said i came to uh as i was getting to the hospital and you know more time there they were just doing some tests and stuff and i started to come to as well right yeah we get to obviously what's going to be hugely um historic uh international campaign coming up very shortly but mm-hmm. what's the protocol with concussion in terms of what you were told yeah, I can't do any physical activity for between seven and ten days. You know, I've been doing, I've gone to the doctor here as well, doing like the scat test and things like that. And, you know, uh, the physio and the uh, manager back home for the national team obviously messaged me. And, you know, I have to take all the information to them so they can go through another process while I'm back. And, um, you know, hopefully I'll just be ready. Um yeah in the next two weeks to, to start playing for Bermuda as well. Yeah, because I mean, I, I think quite a few people listening to this would be aware, but maybe not everybody, that you know, what a historic achievement it was for Bermuda to qualify mm-hmm. for the Gold Cup for the first time. It's, it's your version of the Euros, effectively. You know, and, this and is you, the second time yeah. in a few weeks we've mentioned this show in an entirely different, co- or this tournament, actually. Yeah. An entirely and, different context. Yeah, yeah and you know, for, for you, I, mean, I spoke to you a couple of months back when you were actually about to go away to play in the final qualifiers and you're the yes. captain of the side so I mean I'm guessing when you come around on Friday and Saturday because I, I see through your Twitter and so on that you obviously there's new stories on you back home how you're doing yes. overseas and so on so I mean were you getting calls and, and, and worried messages from people at home straight away your, your family network everyone oh yeah 100% you know um, very close with my mom and she managed to track me down I think she called Rory as well to make sure Rory Houston uh, yeah yeah she she you know she's a you know I'm a mama's boy so she tracked me down you know and tried to make sure I'm okay obviously my girlfriend was worried and stuff but um yeah I was flooded with messages to be honest which was nice to to know you know but um you know it, it is what it is and I'm fine now and obviously like I said the physio there was he's messaged me again today to make sure I'm okay and make sure I get all of the information he needs. So, you know, I'm, I'm definitely following, you know, the right protocols and stuff. I'm not going to rush back because obviously 
Mm. You know, that was a, a very scary situation. So you yeah, be I mean, very careful with concussion. Of course, yeah. I mean, what date are you actually due to meet up then with the? Because I mean, I, I see you play Haiti on the 16th of June. That's your yeah. first match. So when is the? I assume there's a camp and so on before it. Yeah, so when, yeah. when does it all begin? Yeah, I'm actually due to leave Sunday, I believe. Okay. And we we have a we have a friendly match uh, June 6th versus Guyana. Okay. And you know. I, Obviously, we have to see if I can play in that. And after that, we head down to Costa Rica. And then, you know, the tournament begins. So, yeah, you know, yeah. I'm just focused on being ready for that 100%. I mean, Costa, you actually play Costa Rica as well as the... as Yeah. So that's obviously, I mean, this, this is something special. So, I'm guessing at some point on Friday evening, Saturday morning, does the thought cross your mind, I won't be able to play? I mean, is that something yeah. that you had to process and think that this was an option? Yeah, I, I mean, a little, but you know, I'm gonna do whatever it takes to get back. Obviously, my uh, my health comes first, but you know, I do have some time to you know recover and you know even get my fitness back because I can't do any physical activity. But you know, it does cross your mind like maybe you know I'll miss out on probably the biggest tournament of my life. But you know, I'm gonna do whatever it takes to get back, and obviously, I have people who you know, who have my back and have my best interests at heart as well. So I'm just hoping everything works out and I'll be ready to represent my country. On Friday, you're playing against uh, Dundalk. The first time I saw you play mm-hmm. was in the, the obviously the corresponding game, the first game of the season. We're going to have Brian Gartland on the show as well uh, shortly. It, it, mm-hmm. How far have you f- progressed in terms of your, I suppose, your assimilation into Irish football since that game? Yeah, that that just shows there, you know, I that first game, um, you know, it was I I wrote on my Twitter it was a baptism of fire, you know, that's a top club, and you know when those things happen, you know, for that moment you might doubt yourself, like am I ready for this level, this that and the other, but you know I've had great teammates around me, great manager, and you know I just been working hard, putting my head down, and now I feel that, you know, I'm definitely I belong in this league, you know, I'm playing well. Scored a couple goals. The team's improving. You know, I think we're seven unbeaten now. So, you know, we're looking up on the table. So it just shows what hard work can do and application. And, um, you know, I'm proud to be in Sligo. And What's it like as a town, actually? Yeah, yeah. It's, it, like you said, it's a small town. And, it's you know, it's everyone's close-knit. But what, what uh, what's important for me is, like, everyone's so friendly. You know, they look after you. You know, you're walking on the street. People are saying hello and things which is a simulation of Bermuda because Bermuda's so small and everyone's family orientated and stuff. So that's important for me, but yeah. 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 Cause you were in Estonia last year, just for people who aren't yeah. familiar that you know, you, you've played in the, the non-league circuit in England. You spent a number mm-hmm. of years in America. Um, yep. You obviously went back to, you know, you were, you were at a crossroads in your career and then you, you've spoken before, but had the yes. loss of your father obviously had a big impact mm-hmm. on you. And he gave you a kick to, to you know to go for professional football again. Yes. And do you feel that that journey is now really starting to to pay off? You know that decision that you made yeah. to to give it another go. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, just looking at it from where I was a year and a half, two years ago. You know, not not being in the professional environment, and now, you know, even in Estonia, I managed to play in the league and playing in Ireland's top division, and also now playing in the Gold Cup as captain of Bermuda. So, you know, things change quickly. And I'm just grateful that, you know, I have this opportunity and 
I'm just soaking it all in right now. Yeah, I actually I mentioned I was in New York. You know the way on on your on your flights these days, you have lots of options in terms of like mm-hmm. uh, vintage movies. You know you can binge yeah, yeah. watch. So I I watched um, Shawshank Redemption, and um, mm-hmm. which I don't know why I watched. It. I was just like, ah, sure, you can always watch Shawshank Redemption. But there's there's that uh, scene where um, the lead actor um, basically everyone in the prison, all the wardens and all the they use him because of his accounting ability, basically mm-hmm. to to sort out all their tax issues. Your missus is a wedding planner. Her, right, yes. so she can come yeah. over and basically all the Sligo lads can get shacked up with their girlfriends <laughs> and just get it done on the cheap. <laughs> yes, most definitely. Um, you know, she's she's met you know a couple of the uh, girlfriends as well here. You know, she's gone close with some of them. So danger here. Yeah, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Who's the most likely to get, get married? <laughs> who's the most likely in the Sligo job? Uh, Johnny Dunleavy, maybe is he up there? Most likely to get married anytime soon? Oh yeah, you know he's. He's in love with his girlfriend. He's always talking about it. He never stops. So it's definitely, I think JD is definitely the next one on your list. I hope he hears this as well. <laughs> he probably will hear this. But wow. it, 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 it is a bonus, actually, that he does actually love her, though. I mean, that gives him more of a chance. You I know? always think yeah. if you're getting married, like, you should be in love with uh, the person. Well, you exactly. Know? Would you agree, Dante? <laughs> yeah, most definitely. Yeah. Um, listen, we all wish you the best in terms of your recovery. Um, look after the head, obviously, and um, mm. we'll, we'll be watching out for you for Bermuda when it all kicks off next month. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Brian Gartland, welcome along. Thanks for having me. Um, that 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 Dante incident on Friday, um, he was very brave. But like, how do you did you ever have an incident like that in your, yourself where you were literally knocked out from one of your own players or from anyone else? Because it, it was, I suppose, it was scary for him um, that he doesn't actually remember it. Yeah, um, I've had a few over the years. Thankfully, none that bad while I've been in the the League of Ireland. Like, but. I suppose I think I was about seventeen or under seventeen. I woke up in an ambulance. I'd say about twenty, thirty, thirty minutes after, I'd had a clash of heads. You know, didn't remember a thing. Concussion. Yeah, sort of thing from it. Sort of, and it is scary because you, you know, you you don't come around quickly. And back in um, those days, actually, how did they deal with the concussion? Because don't know. I don't yeah. remember mm. <laughs> 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 On it two was, levels. It was schoolboy. So uh, yeah, I mightn't have played the next week. I don't know. I can't remember. I, like that's 15 years ago you know when it was that when I had it that bad but uh, it is a scary thing when you just sort of I suppose you don't know what's happened and you're you're in this situation like he was in a brace and everything and everyone around him I suppose when he came to mm. um, and you're going to think the worst like it, it it's not spoken about an awful lot in football and it's more of a rugby thing but the concussion situation in rugby there was a kid up in Carrick Fergus who died um Basically played on concussed and like it was a I think Ben Robinson his name was a, it was a groundbreaking case but um in general in in football do you find that they're on top of that situation and they know what to do if you're showing wobbly signs on the pitch? Yeah, I think more and more the last few years it's um it's become a real topical issue and the the main thing is I suppose it's it's bravery and courage from the doctors and physios to say no he's not playing on that because you have players I cup final I was brought off a couple of years ago. Um, going into extra time and I smashed my nose up and uh, the doctors said I had a bit of concussion and the physios and I was like no I'm grand I'm grand I'm grand you know I wanted to play on because that's what a player wants yeah. manager wants a player to ah he'd be grand you know this old school sort of thing um, so really it's, it's credit to the doctors and physio, physios I think because it's, it's not an easy decision going against especially in big games going against your I suppose your, uh, your superior your boss to say no he has to come out 
no, he's not up to it. You know, and the players saying the opposite as well. Yeah, I think the physio nearly should be like, well, I'm walking off the pitch unless because this is, could be life or death mm. situation. It's that serious, like yeah, um, yeah. and it's that their reputation hangs on this stuff too. To a degree, yeah, you know, if if they yeah, well, that, listen, that, if what, there'd be an inquiry if things went in the in the, in the wrong like way, you, like yeah. you said, like when if it goes the worst way and and you have a death. You know yeah, I mean? that's on someone's hands, sort of thing. Yeah, um, it's also long term, like because you don't you don't know what head injuries are a serious yeah. issue. Well, you see over in America, obviously the the issues there, NFL like, and, and so on. I suppose the last few years I've read a few things, and um, I suppose main strength of my game being you know heading and especially playing over here growing up, it's it's a lot of mm. teams you play against. Well, Kevin, Doyle, well, Kevin yeah, Doyle, yeah, Kevin Doyle yeah. is, the, is the example yeah. that springs to mind. You well, know? Would it worry uh, you at a few, all? Long there's term. a few studies. That, yeah, and like I've said it to the missus, I go, Jesus. You know, after reading a few things and, and studies and that, it's worrying long term. But I suppose I'm at, the, I'm at that stage in my career now. I've, I've probably done the damage. Are you married, you know? actually? Yeah. Yeah, no, because Dante's missus is over and she's a wedding planner. Oh, yeah, right, so yeah, she's yeah. going to sort out anyone in the League of Ireland <laughs> who needs a quick, quick Reduce wedding. Reduce rates, is it? <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, I, d- I found like, because I obviously, Dan, it shouldn't, the incident really shouldn't have happened. I mean, there was obviously a mis- misunderstanding, but he was so brave in the challenge. He just went full, full throttle and you're like, oh my God, he this was, is not good. Well, he, he, I mean, he was, he was brave to a point. To a point he, he, was, he was polaxed by his own player. I mm. mean, um, and I mean, I, I, you know, McGinty's a, he's a young goalkeeper and he, he, obviously has a, a a sort of an impulsive streak, you know, and be, you, you sort of encourage goalkeepers to be assertive and so on. Um, that, that was very assertive to agree, you know. And But I, I'd imagine for him, like, you know, for, he must have, during the stoppage, his head must have been thrown a bit as well, McGinty, because he yeah. sort of knows, you know, he's, 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 he's done this, you know, and probably shouldn't have been in the position to do it. I don't know what happened communication-wise, but even him for the rest of the game, uh, you're kind of wondering how your how your teammate is, you know, and and it's it's sort of on you a small bit, like because I remember yeah. um, <clears throat> trying to think, like, was it was it in in Altmar? Was it <laughs> Gary, to say, uh, Gary Rogers? Oh, Gary Rogers, yeah. yeah. Sent the uh, was it Foytons or whatever, and uh, you could see a lot of their players were affected. I think yeah, Johan Bosch, uh, yeah, that's with Brighton. Now he was in tears and had to come off. Mm. Um, you know, so I uh, spoke to Gary about this before he came on the show this year because psychologically I was like you didn't know how he was and you had to play on and and, and mm. the talk probably equalised while he still didn't know like he could he could could well have been dead nobody knew everyone and, and there was the stadium was absolutely the stadium was surreal. in a really very bizarre and I was like really I said scary. to Gary because like, Gary's form went downhill that season I think like, Gary I think also injured himself he did a thumb injury too. He, did, he said it wasn't actually psychological it was a thumb injury but he goes I had no idea how he was and he, he just, he missed the ball and he punched him, whatever, accidentally. But, like, it was a really surreal, surreal occasion that night. Yeah, it, it was strange. Like, Gary has to, he's going for the ball and that's it. And, mm. like, it's, a, it's an accident. It's unfortunate. And, thankfully, he was all, um, the other player was all right. Um, but, yeah, I suppose it, it, it depends. Like I said, it depends on each player. Like, you have one player there on his team and he can't play on. He's mm. gone off. You know, it's, he's emotionally affected. And, and Do you remember the coach afterwards as well? He was all over the shop. He was, like, in the interview, he was really, really... Like, but, he, but I think word did come true. Mm. Yeah, like, that he'd be okay. That, that he was okay. It did. The media knew. Uh, within, as the game was within, going on. yeah, as the game was going yeah. on, I think so. Obviously, people on their phones now can figure that out. You know, in the stadium, I, I, do you know what I mean? Yeah, but even us on the pitch, sort of thing. When he came on, obviously we were waving him on thing, and and the doctor was over after, and a couple of over sort of thing. And he's like, yeah, he's great. You know, he's got a pulse, he's grand. You know, yeah, sort of that's thing. Great, like. Because people obviously are worried, and you, you know, it's a, it's a freak moment in, in football as such. Like mm. you might. 
most people never had something like that in their career on the pitch, you know, mm. involved in. But um, Gary was evoking memories of the old me teams of the 90s in football. Yeah, he basically did that <laughs> all the time. The midfield, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Has the game changed much for you as a centre-back entering? What age are you now? I'm 32 now. 32, yeah. so you're playing the game, you're playing the professional game for well over 10 years. Has it changed in terms of heading the ball less or more? Um, or is it more like trying to match lads on the ground and they're twisting it's, and turning or whatever? It's probably a bit less. Like when I was playing years ago, the majority of teams were hit the corners. You remember, the, mm. you know, and playing the playing in the final third, and so there was a lot of wasn't as much football. Um, you see a lot of teams now trying to play football. You know, not going long as much or a lot of build up play. And if they are going long, it's a bit more accurate passes. Just not just long punts. Yeah, uh, you still obviously have teams play like that or. Pastures and games like that, but um, but you're still strong. Like I remember you scored in Rosenberg and got a header. Like w- it could still be a thing for Irish teams in terms of um that Alkmaar game. Obviously, Kilduff getting a header. Yeah. That set piece wise and in, in the air, we're still might have an upper hand on some of them teams. Yeah, it's, that's set piece wise. You know, you can work on your set piece. You can work on movement, the delivery, everything. Like there's so many, I suppose, variables to it. Um, but in terms of of the of the game, like. It, when I came into it years ago, like you, you big strong strikers. Do you remember playing up and challenging in the air and stuff like that? Does Anyone it, come to mind? Um, Back in your it? early days, well, I, remember, I remember, I remember Philly Hughes when I was with a <laughs> strong lad. I was with, who was I with? Stocky Shells, yeah, and and strong. he was with Dun Dundalk, and the, it was one of my first games in the league, and Philly absolutely battered me. Um, I suppose I can, I can relate to what. Um, Young lads coming up against Pat yeah. and get you know yeah. now, yeah. You know you just sort of brought into it. This is a different type of strike. It's not about reading the game. It's about reading him as such. Yeah. And if if you get the wrong side, you you throw you ten yards the other way, sort of thing. Um, Would you prefer to be marking that big lad for Alkmaar or someone small and nippy? Um, I don't really mind as such. You know, you can still be a big lad with decent movement, and you know, Manzuba for Zenas as well. Yeah, I thought yeah. I didn't mind him that day, you know, Natalia. Um and I suppose the next day against Senna over there, I think it was uh Kershkov, is that his name? The he's a veteran striker oh, for Kurt, him. Yeah, Kershkov, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Kershkov. And he played and I just thought to myself, geez, the movement on him. But and he was smaller and nippier fella, but if you look at Alkmaar, Fred Friday, um we never saw again, I don't think after that game. No. He uh he started and he was quick and all that. And then Veghorst played the other who got a move to Werder Bremen after. And Veghorst was six four, six five, but he had better movement and better movement off the shoulder, I thought. Mm. You know, so it's not necessarily, I suppose, big strikers just good at that and, and small at that sort of thing. But um Who's the best player you've marked? I've marked um Giuliano of yeah. Senna. Like I suppose he's in the ten, but he's in front, he's coming in towards the times and then back out and that he was Ridiculous in terms of he could spin on a sixpence as such, you know. And um, yeah, he chopped the ball and you'd be gone the other way, sort of thing. He was probably one of the best I've played against. Fred, Fred, Friday, Fred, Fred Friday is on, <laughs> where is he? Yeah, he's on loan. He's still at AZ, but he's on loan with FC FC Twenty down in their their second division. So all this go. chat must make you look forward to Europe this year. Yeah, yeah. Um, we always say you know then you have to. Four get, games get guaranteed. The, yeah, get the league. You know, concentrate on the league first, and then Europe will come. And we we're good at doing that. We like we've got into a good run now, and you try build it up. And thankfully, most years, we're, you know, that's that's sort of how we go, and we get into form going into Europe. How um, hurt were you by last year? Yeah, um, we learned a lesson. If I'm honest, like 
we were unlucky. We'll always, I'll always say that in terms of we were the seeded team there in that game, and obviously the the quality of players and the management team and everything they had the whole setup because millions put into it. Yeah, and you're paying um, it forty degree heat or whatever over there. Yeah, so we we've got to learn from that. Like we weren't out pressing from the first minute in thirty odd degree heat and. Um, there was a naivety there where you like how do you do that for 90 minutes or whatever well that's it yeah so we um, but we had a lot of lads that didn't have loads of a European experience if you remember like uh, of the outfield 10 you know is I think Benson Shieldsy myself and then Sean Horse played a few European games Dan Cleary probably his first European campaign last year Dean Jarvis in I think you yeah, might have had seven yeah. new players in the year before in terms of European experience. Yeah, well. so Dylan Connolly started that mm. game as well. Yeah, yeah, Sean Dylan, Gannon. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so we've got to you got to remember that aspect, and and uh, you you learn more from from games like that than any other game. Um, and they they pulled us all over the place. I suppose they they'd worked on it, and they had their little cues for the winger, right winger, to come inside, drag our fullback in. Striker goes out, drags the centre half out, stretches us across the back with say three lads left across the back, but you're stretched. Left winger staying out on the touchline. Uh, the midfielder, I'm trying to remember his name, was he a Serbian ladder? Or was it Tchaikovsky, the Macedonian? Tchaikovsky, that's the Macedonian, Macedonian lad. Yeah. He got a hell of a lot of goals in the qualifying, but he was starting sort of high and left in the centre midfield and he was just waiting for the. They all had their triggers and their timings, and then he's making the run through us and then. You know, Shizzy's tried to cover him and a massive hole in the middle because they've they've made the pitch yeah. big and like. What was the heat like? Oh, it's like your jersey's just I suppose weighing two, three, four kilos mm. in a minute, full of sweat. Uh, you try to you can, you can do the runs, but then it's it's your recovery in the heat that's hard. You know, it's doing that I suppose in in repetitiveness. Did you generally the 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 players in general found that I'd say a lot tougher than a normal game just because of that heat? Yeah, when you came out of the hotel, going to the bus, just literally walking the fifty meters, you just went boom. Mm. Like the day and two, but the two days before weren't that hot. I don't think. Mm. Yeah, I um, remember that. Yeah, it was over. Yeah, and it was. And just all of a sudden on the day of the game, it was. It was just really deadness, though. It was just a yeah. dead sort of. Uh, it wasn't like it wasn't like scorching sun. It was just the the actual overall temperature was just. Demanding, you know, but their record there was incredible. Yeah, like their home record was—they hadn't even conceded a goal there, you know. And but they clearly watched it after the first yeah. game, and they—they—they they, they picked yeah. up some stuff. As and well if you look too. at the two games after, like I think, uh, teams uh, was a trench and knocked out PS. V, yeah, yeah, and they—they bought them. Was a five-one on aggregate. Yeah, and Sturm Graz in the in the next round too. Sturm Graz, yeah. The chat was that obviously the Gory Higgins had probably watched. Watched Storm Gratz at the same time. And they lost the Ajax, yeah. yeah. and there was, there was a feeling that that the dog might have fancied their chances against Gratz. Yeah, and no, as we'll honest, Larnica, had a feeling, I know Stephen Kenny had he watched the games and he said, "Listen, Storm Gratz, they're not, you know, yeah. they're not unbeatable. You know what I mean? If we could get through this tie and and that sort of thing, um, and obviously uh, Larnica went through and." Holes went all the way, yeah. yeah. They went all the way, but um, just we were talking before you come on. I mean, I was I was at the game last Friday, and uh, you know, you can tell me it was it just one of those games, or to me, it, it was a game to me that really suffered from the fixture congestion that we've had lately. It was just a bit flat. There was just something about the game that was. It, it it lacked an entertaining value or a spark or something. And listen, maybe you'll tell me it was just one of those nights and it was it was the way the game panned out. But I I found it quite underwhelming. I have to say. Yeah, no, and uh, you're not the only one. You know, a few people <laughs> have said it to me. They're uh, they're not shy in the town to let you know. You know what they think <laughs> of games, good and bad. But um, yeah, we were we were disappointed with ourselves. We came in at half time. We got you know we got it read to us. 
Mm. Um, we just didn't have the intensity to us. We didn't, you know, move the ball quick enough and go forward quick enough with it. Uh, we had a lot of possession. And I suppose the first 10, 15 minutes, the way they set up and they did, they did the two up front that were splitting a bit wider than usual and um, they did the 3 five, two, but the two wing backs, I suppose, were, were back as a yeah. as a five. But as soon as they went to a full back, they were racing forward on that side. Um, and you, you sort of get a... F- you have to feel the game out a little bit. Um, it's just, I suppose, that's naturally how it happens. But yeah, we were disappointed with the intensity of it. Like you said, there wasn't too much excitement that sparked it. But the second half, I thought, we uh, really upped it. Mm. You know, even the tempos, like Jordan Flores came in and his first two, three passes forward were crisp, quick, yeah. through the lines to the striker, and then we're all going forward. But at that stage, and as the game goes on, they're just back in their own half. The two centre-halves, or the two strikers are the their side of the centre circle yeah. you've got to be patient in games like that so I agree with you in the first half but I thought in the second half we were much better um, we we were quicker with the ball we were quicker moving it side to side more intensity we created a few more openings um, but I thought in the final tours yeah we've got to be better we, we weren't clinical enough we were I suppose they were getting shots uh, they were blocking the shots on us and then we were getting two or three you know decent chances and just the clinicalness, wasn't there? Yeah, because uh, over the last, over your time with Dundalk and over your time in the league, but particularly with Dundalk when you're the been a dominant side for a lot of the time, how many times do you reckon over the years have you played against two strikers? And how and because a lot of teams would go with that one through the middle or whatever, and the, the, yeah. the four five one as such. How different is it to suddenly find yourself playing against two? It seems to have come around. Certain clubs this year seem to be be going yeah. that way again. Last year we got it a few times. Um, you're playing against the two, but they're dropping in. Yeah. Um. When when they don't have the ball, so they're just I suppose committing a few more forward. And this year, at the start of the year, there's more teams playing with the the three five two or the or the three six one with mm. the with the box in midfield, and then I suppose people joining up with the strikers. Um. So it is I suppose maybe it's the new uh, fad. You know, we see uh, formations go around and managers. I suppose. They get ideas from other managers course, or seeing yeah. things and going on. Always evolving. Yeah. So, yeah, at the start of the season, um, I suppose Pat's in the first game down there. It, I don't know if ideas were at it. Yeah. It, um, they dominated possession against us and that sort of thing. And like I said, you, you learn more from, from games like that when you go up against new things. And um, This is a game in Inchy Core, is it? Yeah. yeah. And we were at that game. Yeah. 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 Goal, yeah. yeah. And again, there wasn't much in the game. I think Forrest had one shot in the second half mm. and that was all they had. But, they'd, but they dominated possession we lacked ideas going forward or such in that game. Um, and they, like I said, they dominated the ball a bit in front of us. But um, but I suppose you learn from it. And yeah, there's more teams going through it, so you're coming across it more and more. And um, we're, we're dealing with it, we're creating more chances against it and we're, we're containing it better as, as you go on. But, um, you know, with that, it opens up opportunities for us as well. Because yeah. if teams change their shape like that, then... There's, you know, they're always leaving, I suppose, openings. Leaving at, gaps at somewhere ends. else, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. yeah. And I mean, and you've actually now had a couple of times in recent weeks, which they're not having a huge amount, but at the odd time, you like you finish with two strikers on the pitch as well yourselves with Georgie, and he's actually had an impact as well. Yeah, in, in games when it's been tight. Yeah, he's I, been said, I, I said I'd ask you. Yeah, how much uh, is is he a threat to Huben as the starting striker if there's one up top? Because he seems to be a proper promising player, like. Yeah, um, I suppose that's a question for the gaffer. Um, Said so we'd ask you anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what Just I, I, I don't know what answer. You said you were going to ask about Toulon as well, but we yeah. haven't <laughs> that. Um, but Georgie's been brilliant. Like Pat's 
top goal scorer again. You know, he's he's incredible. He just keeps getting goals. Um, he's our record goal scorer at the club, and um, he leads the line perfect for us. But you know, he was suspended down in in Dalymount, and Georgie came in, and he was he was excellent, and he's um, scored straight away. In early. Yeah, scored after twenty odd minutes or twenty minutes, and then. He's got a f- he's got four or five goals in the league now, and he's come on the last few games, like you said, and it it really adds something else to us. And I suppose with teams like that, when they are camped back, you need more people in the box, and especially if we're getting wide and getting crosses in. So if you get Georgie and Pat in there, like it's hard enough dealing with one. That's uh, the thing, like because it's it's it must be a total difference when you're you're trying to deal with Hoobman and then they just because they're still accustomed to playing one up front. Most teams play one up front, and what is he different to Hoobman? Because I I have to say I've seen very little of him. Um, they're they're both great hold up play and they're both incredibly strong. Like I don't know if you realise how strong Georgie Kelly is for a young lad in his frame, and uh, he's he's quite a he's quite annoying to mark and train as well. He's one of these that the arms are always going everywhere and the just you know, without even meaning it, he'll, he'll somehow stand on you as well. <laughs> not not a foul though, you know, yeah. like just when he's going for the ball or something. He's, and uh, he's a tough character, and he's a great fella. He's a, he's looking to get better the whole time. He's always looking to improve, um, no matter what it is. Like, uh, so you know, he's got the right attitude. He's got everything there, and he's getting more time. So I think you know you'll see more of him. You know, like we have the last month. Um, he's from Inishon in Donegal, and the Derry dynamic with the three lads at the yeah. moment must be uh, must be like there are moments in the game where they're just doing little uh, kind of one twos. Yeah, and they need their own ball sometimes yeah. when the three of them are there. But technically, Duffy Jarvis and obviously McElhenney just seems to be purring. Went on a run in the, I think the first half, and you're thinking he's gonna this gonna be a goal of the season, and he missed he hit it to the keeper, or whatever. But seems to be flying it. Yeah. They're such talented lads, um, and they're so young as well. And That's they're all mad as well, aren't they? You know, they're all from Derry. Like, uh-huh. think, get them on the show. The Derry, yeah, the Derry their boys. Own world. Yeah, they'll have they'll be having their own conversation. The Derry the boys we were yeah. here, so it wouldn't it'd be yeah. irrelevant? We'd just be talking to ourselves. <laughs> um, <laughs> who's the daftest of the three? Daftest. Even a tough one to answer. I don't know now. Uh, I suppose it depends when you get them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they, I don't. Know, it must be a pleasure to play with them, lads. Yeah, it is. Like with the whole squad, like we've we've an incredible squad at the moment. We've twenty odd players that all all looking to start. Um, and I suppose that's the nature of the beast that's created at the club. With you know the the success over the last few years, and when you're trying to push on, you're always trying to increase the standard. So that w- that was a mad thing because I was up early this morning. I was like, "Jesus, Andy Boyle could be in Dublin." Um, he could come on the show with Garland. That'd be an interesting dynamic. And then I was reading the paper. He's linked with Rovers. He's linked with Dundalk. Then I was thinking, well, Dundalk's you're not you're not that short at centre back. Like, <laughs> know, you know, yeah. like you look at Stephen Foley. Do you know what I mean? And like, Stevie's an excellent player. What yeah. a good player and not getting a look in. Yeah, he's such a good footballer. Like he's one of the best passers of the ball at the club. Um, his left foot. You see him when when he plays. Like he he play these crisp balls. You know, 40, 50 yards on the ground through the lines. Um. So yeah, we do have such talent, and um, like you said, Andy's been linked with everyone because obviously he's out of contract. So if he comes back home, obviously he's linked with with ourselves and and Rovers, and I think he's a couple of things in the UK offers as well. So, mm. um, but we have such talent in the squad that, like you said, you named the three lads there, but um, look it's at like field. It's like that everywhere. Yeah, like yeah. look at if you look at Flores is only getting his game a bit. Murray's been injured. Yeah. Sean Horace played in midfield. Benson's been injured. Shields was injured. McGrath's injured as well. McGrath, like 
Yeah, but we, we have two. We have at least two for every position. Yeah, mm. like Cameron Dominican is a mm. great pedigree. A great. Oh, I don't know if you heard about him the first half the other night. He's uh, absolutely excellent. And but he went off. It was he off injured. He half rolled time? his ankle or something. Yeah, yeah he's okay. He yeah. played with Jack Byrne at, at Oldham. At Oldham, he was. I mean, he was yeah. at the time he would have been considered. I think Jack mentioned him in mm. passing last week. He did. Yeah. You know, some of the good players that they had at Oldham at the time, and he was in the first five or six, and he he would have been in that. In that bracket, mm. you know, so I mean, and he's, he's hardly got a, I mean, it's, it's a fact. A lot of people listen to this, League Ryan fans probably know nothing about him, mm. you know. And he comes on the other night, and, and I heard the reviews that he was pretty, he was pretty good, yeah, you know. But how do these lads stay anyway happy when you know it's just so difficult to get into the team? And I'd say a lot of them thought this is a step down at the start. If you've played for Wigan, like Flores has, you've played for Oldham, whatever, going to the League of Ireland, then they're like, well, geez, this isn't this isn't a cakewalk at all. Yeah, and and I suppose that is the thing. They come over and originally come over to look, and they think, "Oh, it won't be great, whatever." And Joe McKee's a perfect example. You know, he was on loan with us for for a few weeks, obviously because we got a load of injuries, and um, Joe couldn't believe the standard when he came in. You know, he's played whatever 130 odd games with Falkirk, and he's played around the league. He used to be with Burnley and Bolton, um, in the academies, and he uh, he didn't have an idea. And yeah, lads over there will think. You know, I think the own of of the game here and the standard it comes in. You couldn't believe the professionalism and the intensity to training and how much football there was. He says usually we just brought out in runs, you know, and stuff like that. But everything there was football, football, but it was all intense. Um, so he loved it, and I think the the other lads you named there that have come in from the UK as well do as well. Like the, the Flores, like well, he just looks a lovely player, and mm. he's struggling to get in. Um, has training changed since Stephen left? Um, obviously Rory Higgins and Stephen O'Donnell have sort of changed roles as well, and Vinny taking the top job. Yeah, there's been small changes. Obviously, um, like I said before, consistency is what we wanted in terms of, you know, we had a lot of the same squad. We added new players to that squad, and then the management staff as well. There was a lot of people that were already in the club and had had the ball rolling uh, the last few years. So that's kept going with a few changes, you know, to... I suppose over time you mm. you don't want to change it all just at once you bit by bit and we've seen that every every few weeks. Just to move on to something slightly different because we were I was down in Cork recently and I spoke to you after the game and you said you'd been listening to the Karen Foley podcast that we had a yeah. couple of weeks ago and you said yourself you wouldn't thought be we're a, getting you, too long there. You wouldn't you wouldn't be a, we're never going to get too long because <laughs> I, I don't even know why. I'm too old for that squad, Johnny. <laughs> it was such an unusual thing to say. We'll get him in. And we'll get him on I, too long it must later have been on. Some reason it was, for this. Why, <laughs> Hillshit was actually coming in. <laughs> I think I was just on about the town of too long. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Um, but you said you'd, you'd listen to the Karen Foley thing, and obviously there's other stuff going on this week. And uh, you know we have the the Mansion House on Friday, yeah, the Friday, stakeholders yeah. forum. Everything else is going on. We had Gary, we had Gary O'Neill Gary O'Neill in here a couple of weeks back, and he's what 22 or whatever. So he's not paying that mad amount of attention to what's going on. But you're you're 32. You're a bit older. You've a bit more interest in. I think you know the broader sporting world because you've you've got a degree and stuff outside and you've you've other interests I suppose. And yeah, stuff. I would have done my thesis on the merger of the league when yeah. I was doing a sports management degree, so I would have always had an interest in. So you and Gary um, Rogers did both did a thesis in the League of Ireland. Uh, yeah, there you so, are. So what the, Gary did his last year, the year before. Did yeah, yeah. And yeah. I remember he, he, I was rooming with him, and he didn't say a word because he was heading the books <laughs> he, the whole time. He, he brought him yeah. into the studio when he was here and all. He was the first player he ever did. to bring <laughs> a thesis in. And, 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 and we didn't read it. But, uh, <laughs> but, but, I don't but, think I even read my own. So, <laughs> but but it's, it's obviously something you're more aware of. 
uh, you would take an interest in the stuff that's going on? And and what's your sort of general opinion? I know there's, there's a lot of people who've listened to the phone thing and said, well, actually, what were the substance? What were the ideas? I think that's a fair point. I would say we actually could, we could have kept them on for half an hour longer. We did have to cut it. But it is true. People are saying, well, there's some broader, big picture stuff here, but where is the detail? But like, what's your thoughts generally on that? Yeah, I've been reading stuff? a good bit of it, obviously, the last week. And it, I think the Niall Quinn and Kieran Foley and all that, and it gets a bit of stick, you know, saying, people saying, oh, well, what is the plans? And there's no detail into it. And I suppose that's what Friday's meant to be about, is it? Or, the, an element know, of Friday's meant to be about an element that. About, I'm not sure you know, if Friday's necessary. Because they be. said they're not going to give it out before Friday. And, um, Kieran Foley, I think, spoke on the radio this morning as well. So we, we, we're going to listen to that and see if he did. Um, I don't think, I think it's yeah. going to, I, I think, I think they're, but, they're not going to speak. But I think they were obliged not to be like too specific This is what I was going to say. Is that yeah. if they've got big backers behind them, right? They've got big companies and from, from what I hear, um, support behind them in terms of financial support that you don't lay your cards on the table and mm. then you give this out and then they say well the FBI just take it and go well right that's what we'll run with or they take the best ideas from it and such like that because yeah. if you want to be involved you don't just give your information away for free Absolutely. If, if it's that strong mm. right so as a business wise they've you know you've got to respect that um just people need to have a bit of patience I think Wait what, what, what would say. you do and for the league though if you were what would you, what do you think should be done for the league um it's it's so tough. Like I know part of the suggestion before was like like America. I think it was Niall Quinn's thing and centralized contracts and mm. you could that that won't work down this this no. route because you can't you can't come to me right and say oh well you're off to play for Galway United next Cheers. season. Cheers, is great. Yeah. You know on this way to whatever sort of thing, <laughs> and it's like it's not as if you're on big money like massive money and so I have to uproot me and my family and go down to Galway. And but you've play. Galway connections. Yeah. yeah. Well, I also yeah. have work in Dublin, you know, yeah. sort of set up life in, in Dundalk and Dublin and that sort of thing. What would you do, though? What, what would you I do, do with in the terms league? of ideas like to bring it forward? Because Quinn seems to have many. I think I think Bowles is a great example of how we can grow the league, right? Um, and I know they get a bit of stick or whatever, the, the hipster club and all that. But look at their attendance this year. Look at the community they've generated around the club. Look at the squad they've generated. You know, the feeling, the team, and the stands sort of thing. I, you know... You can give clubs the aid and the support and the help to do that around a lot of a lot of clubs, right? Mm. That's the basis. Clubs have to, I suppose, have that ethos behind them. Have people in the clubs, so they need the support first of all for that way. Uh, we've got the underage going in terms of thirteens, fifteens, seventeens, nineteens, and that will come to fruition in a few years. Um, obviously, the the schoolboy football going back to winter. Isn't it offline and, and you know? I don't yeah, know there's there's a lot of problems there. I mean, I, I've been thinking about this the last couple of days and, and discussions we've been having. You see, like to, to some degree, like I don't think there's a, are people actually expecting some magic proposal to come out and suddenly you go, oh, that's it. You know, yeah. like that's we in many respects a lot of people it's a 10 know to 20 year thing yeah, at least people if know you want lot, the league to develop people know a lot of the problems that exist so people have a broad idea of things that need to be done to improve it you know you know in terms of community engagement and you know and, and obviously like you know what works for bows won't work for maybe a provincial club you know there's there's different there's there's, there's yeah. different there's different you know markets and so on but but the, the broader point here for me is that like um, it's not really about what someone's plan is and they're going here's the big reveal and, and it's the here's governance it's, it's about the governance of it and it's about the patience yeah. of the people involved and it's about the means to do it you know it's it's we, we can all talk in broad terms that we're going to do academies we're going to do this but you, you you need to be able to say well here's how we're actually going to fund it over yeah. 10 to 20 years it's not 
it's not a short term fix. It's but, about a, an actual proper commitment. Mm-hmm. But I think to, to some degree, I think in the league we've been beaten down so many times by disappointments from from being let down that we're almost we're almost we are that bit skeptical. Prepared of, to be let down. We're skeptical of of any outside thing, and I understand that. And that's from harsh experience. Like someone with like low confidence, low self esteem, that they're they're expecting things to go to mm. go wrong. Um, and no one can come in straight away and say, "Well, this is it, and it's going to work." It's going to take time. Anyone who comes in is going to have to face skepticism like that because, I mean, painful history tells us, you know, yeah. what what might happen. My point uh, is that the league here is the pinnacle of. Irish football, right? Outside the international team, obviously. But it's the pinnacle of Irish football, right? Mm. But there's no support as such. There's no... There's no prize money. There's no priority mm. given. It's not a priority in the terms of the Football Association over the last 10, 20 years, right? Is that not astounding? Which, which that's what I mean. The mm. governance over it, okay? So you've got two teams last year, players not paid for ages, right? Same team again this year. Same thing happened. What's the repercussions? Where's the accountability? Where's any sort of... Um, I suppose, penalties to club owners. You know, there's nothing happening. There mm. doesn't seem to be anything coming back. Well, the I think, unfortun- unfortunately, Brian, the, the clubs aren't there to replace them and these these clubs are needed and the FEI licence... Uh, they like are needed, but why are they giving licences on the backing of whatever? Mm. You know, whatever they've said, which obviously isn't feasible in certain times. Right? Brian, there's a, there's a lot more money out there that could be going into the League of Ireland such that clubs could sustain um, 52-week contracts and that we don't... But have that money ridiculous. needs to be spent well, though, as well. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. You, Not all on wages. Money, like, money isn't... Uh, like money isn't going to solve everything either, you know, because again, money it would solve a lot. Uh, yeah, it, it would, but again, be, you know, people putting money into it. There's always going to be a shelf life on that, you know. There comes you can't just throw money in it. Yeah, money will disappear down players. You have to right? sustain yeah. itself. You have to. There has to be a, a plan behind where the money is going in. That's what I'm saying. If someone comes in and says, "Well, we've got X amount," that's great, but this is a, a project. As Brian's alluded to, it's 10, 20 years. So it's about we can we can all come up with plans to a degree, but there has to be a real long-term commitment and straight away it's not just going to be right like i mean no, no one can just say now well this is our, our plan and everyone's gonna go great we've cracked it it's about how you actually implement that yeah. how you work it you and know? if you look in a few years time the league's the league's not in a bad place in terms of it's in a great what place clubs are, that's what i think right mm. in terms of you look at daily going to be redeveloped right so you have two teams going into there two teams with a, a class new stadium right you've got tala you've got waterford nice ground um turners cross Derry, Sligo, Sligo constantly evolving there. Right, yeah, yeah, they're putting seat, yeah. thousand new seats in the yeah. other. Day. You've we've we've the basis of of a lot of teams. Oriel Park didn't come. Left that one. Uh, where's uh, Oriel is grand, right? Yeah. <laughs> away, away sections. There's tiles in there. Now. <laughs> but um, and obviously, it knows me. But if you look at a lot of those, they're county council funded, or mm. you know, or owned by the. Council or like Turner's Cross owned by Munster FA I think yeah. and stuff like that mm. right. Cherryland Park so it should be mentioned in Great Nick yeah. owned by and the ball the way. pitch is always lovely as well mm. you know um, so we've got base of, of a lot of good grounds around the country that don't have to be massive you know you want you don't want them too big because you lose the atmosphere in it. so there's your basis for that you're missing a few places like Oriel obviously you know Dundalk need a better ground everyone knows that and obviously it's in the plans down the line but things like that don't happen overnight I think almost more, more importantly, we've a bloody good standard of football. But we've a good standard of football coming with it as well, right? But when you have that basis there, you need something to lead it. You need somebody to lead the thing, right? So you have this, there was the whole talk about the FEI are going to uh, relinquish, I suppose, ownership of the mm. league again and it was going to be 
a, a, a third party, a business set up, and now I don't know if that's happening. You can't have the clubs own the league because there's such a disparity in the clubs. Right? This is from my opinion. Be because the top clubs and the bottom clubs can't agree on anything. Mm. So how do you vote on it? Right? You can't have the FEI and the clubs running the league together because they never have agreed on anything. So you need a third party. Now you talk like the Premier League, obviously that's a massive scale, but it's the same thing. It's a third party when it ran like a business. Right? So it's for the it, decisions are made for the good of the league. Not for one individual club voting for a thing, you know, their way and so on. And I think it's the only way forward. Do you think Niall Quinn would be for the good of the league? I don't know. I haven't heard all his opinions. I haven't heard his plans like a lot of people sort of think. Um, but what I do like is that he's vocal about it. He's interested. He's generating support. He's got good bodies and other people on board with him in terms of um, financially supporting football in the country, whether it's the league and underage for academies. Um, if Brexit comes in what's the thing about players going to England will there be even less than going things like that in terms of we're, we're looking for them to develop now it could be the opposite way that if Ireland and England go back to how it was before the European Union and does it's actually be better for Irish players depending on yeah what depending on what the circumstances could be goes very through I don't, I don't think yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah. That, that will have a big impact on, on terms of underage football here um, and something I, I suppose I haven't read much in, about it's so maybe, maybe it won't impact it at all. But I think depending on what way it goes. Yeah, I think I think that 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 aspect depends on what sort of common agreement is reached between Ireland and, yeah. and, and the UK. I mean that that's. Uh, but with, I, I, with seven players in the Toulon squad from the league, that's yeah. uh, that's good going. Yeah, yeah. That is like I that, that's, get on eventually. That's but, uh, <laughs> yeah. That is unheard of years ago though. We've Talbot in the Ireland squad now again. Um, I think it'll become fairly regular that the League of Ireland player in the senior squad. Uh, yeah, to, to a point, like to a point, we, we still have some good young players making waves in England too. You know, that's mm. never going to stop, but, which is fine. But I, I think you know we, we need to hear more from, and it's not just the Quinn group. There's other people as well that are putting together plans and proposals too. It's yeah, like they've got publicity because, and I will say this because you know they're they're high profile people, and naturally they're going to get the they get degree of of coverage, and I think that the. That Quinn's strength probably is some of the, the pieces people he can speak to and some of the characters he can draw in who weren't interested in Irish football before. Now, to me, there's a whole thing of, well, they weren't interested before. Well, then why are they well, interested, interested now? I mean, well, we have to move beyond that. Like, mm. you don't need to pass a League of Ireland trivia test. Maybe they were interested before, a, but yeah. they were just told, no, you, you know. They didn't think it was, it was or viable. Maybe, or maybe well. their relationship there wasn't with the FAI mm. for yeah. them to, to get involved, you know, with their interests and. Because we d- we don't know everything. Like look at all the stuff that's come out. We Absolutely. don't know what's been going on. I think in part of their I think part of their plan and what they're looking for. And this again, it's, this isn't the detail of the plan. But I'm not sure if the detail of the plan is going to be revolutionary. Because as I said, a lot of people have ideas about what needs to be done. It's about how you implement them. I think part of it is almost looking to be given uh, a degree of control. You know that that there's going to be a troubleshooting aspect with FAI and stuff and. Uh, they want their. They want to be given a degree of control to implement their proposals, almost as like a running concurrently to the FAI hierarchy, and they would take responsibility for certain aspects of the league. But there's a massive leap of faith and trust to to give that responsibility well, also, Dan, to a separate group. Yeah, and because also you need to know what where where is the motivated. and see if they get like some, some company to invest a lot of money in this. What's in it for the company? Yeah, ultimately, need, that's a fairly obvious question. They need they need a return, but at mm. the same time, we also can't be afraid of people who want to make money too. Like we, you know, there's, there's no, a, no, there's, there's a there's a balancing act between the two. Listen, you know, if, if they're successful and they want to make money, and it, that's at the price of the league being successful, 
happy days. Yeah, yeah. but also like the government. But they can't leave it high and dry either. So I, I mean, that's the, made, yeah, I've, you know, like I've made this point to a few people in racing that like the government gives colossal money to racing and it's been countered. Well, it's been a success. It has because uh, it was on its, its knees. It's a world leader. Yeah. So Charlie Hoy, absolutely blah blah blah. And then, so, but it's like, well, horse racing is an industry. We need football to be an industry in this country, and it isn't. Then that's my. I think point. that's that's Noel Quinn's mm. reason. It can be an this. industry because yeah. we're a very wealthy country. But I think, in like, I don't know if you know, there's a um, collective bargaining agreement the PFI put together, and um, we, we did it a year or two ago, and you know it was thrown to the FEI, and the FEI just sent it to a few clubs, and they don't, the PFI don't hear back. Um, so I think you know the players need a say. If whatever's coming down the line, we need to say um, through our association in terms of, and it's 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 nothing groundbreaking in terms of the collective bargaining agreement. It's just basics that should be in football in terms of a basic amount of professionals per club, you know, basic uh, minimum wage. If you're part time, if you're full time, mm-hmm. you can't offer someone a full time contract on yeah. pittance money and stuff like that. You know, and take advantage of young lads. Um, just all these basic requirements. Um, so I think. You know, it's it's all parties, all stakeholders of football, and the players. I'd I'd call for whoever, whatever happens down the line, that the players are are heard and have an input. I I I don't think the League of Ireland players or management have gotten the credit for building the game from within with no outside help whatsoever that I can see. And um, I don't know. I think you've really driven it. But can you just speak a bit about the the Temple Street um, donations, which I thought was like really nice publicity. That's. Uh, Went went beyond just publicity. It was actually a very good gesture. The Dundalk players are donating a day's wage to the cause. Yeah, um, obviously the club came up with the link with Temple Street. Yeah, and um, we thought it was a great initiative. We had we had talked about this before Christmas. I said to the lads, um, "This we're thinking of a donation to charity. You know, and you can just you'll come out with your wages, sort of thing." So when it came round and the link with Temple Street, uh, Robbie says, "Right, well." Robbie Benson. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he'd gone to me. Obviously, we had talked about it before, and, and then this came up, and, you know, a couple of lads came to me saying, Are we doing this now? You know, because we talked about it. And uh, so he said, Yeah, we'll donate a day's, day's wages. And um, I suppose it's to lead by example. We're we're there, the club and us are there saying, Oh, please support this, please support this, you know. Um, and it's no sense. I said, It's no point doing something if you're not doing it yourself. So we want to lead by example. Um, at day's wages, you know, we're in a lucky position to to be able to donate that, and um, it was just to encourage people to give whatever they could on the day, and at any stage, like we've links up on the Dundalk had the links up to donate online if you couldn't make the game around that. I I think uh, I think clubs need to do that more and encourage goodwill as well. I I think League of Ireland clubs just can't expect people to turn up to games just to watch football. They have to be part of a greater picture as well. Yeah, and th- that creates a sense of community and. I suppose uh, appreciation mm. with people, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, there's been some good initiatives in recent years. You know, I mean, Pat's and various other clubs with various different, you know, charities or groups or whatever it might be. And I mean, it's you know, we're not trying to be cynical by saying that's what they need to do to interact with communities, but that should be part of their responsibility. And if you're looking for support, you've got to support other 100%, things as well. It's reciprocal. Particularly, you know? particularly because one reciprocal of the big, is the word. Particularly because one of the things we're also looking for at the moment, you know, is is 
an increase in state funding and government support and like football and sport has a role in society has a community value for society mm. and there's an argument that maybe football has been undervalued or should actually the state funding has been suspended at the moment because of the mess right mm. but there's an argument that when it's restored it should be greater and the irony is you know and, and this has been seized upon I think by people that I mean Shane Ross in his uh, Sunday Independent article at the weekend uh, you know long time FAI critic oh yeah exactly yeah I mean uh, who is speaking about sport, you know, about soccer being the national passion, you know, and speaking in very evocative terms about soccer being the national passion and so on. So, okay, well, if that's the case, what's your commitment? What's the shepherd's yeah. commitment to it per year? And I think that that's something that's going to be... But at the same time, the government can't just, you know, the state can't just give money. I mean, in fairness, taxpayers, no one will stand for it if they just put money into something and all of a sudden we everyone's, a everyone's wages, but everyone's yeah. wages mm. starts getting doubled. Like, that can't be it. But you have to be seeing that there's a value to this money, value well, to this investment. Ju- just say in terms we're, we're, of what it does for communities, yeah. and what it does for towns and we're places, going, we're going to, we're going parts to, of the country that that actually need that sporting facility. Yeah, we're going to we're going to wrap up this debate. Yeah. But like we'll say, if you look at the likes of Drogheda needs a ground, Oriel Park needs to be I done. Think Drogheda have one in the pipeline. They do, yeah. 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 As do Finn Harps, right? So yeah. that's obviously uh, creating construction, employment, um, and then if you bring in um, all the academies that Quinn is talking about, and you bring in all the underage. Um, if you bring in say 13, 15, 17, 19 senior. That's five managers, five assistant managers straight away. So that's 200 across the league. Um, you have all the knock-on effects from that. What they can do in the community in terms of spending money in the locality, the bars at the weekend, people come to the ground. And also, a very important point in the days of when we're, we're worried about climate change, which is evidence in the, the local um, or the recent elections, people staying in this country to watch football here rather than getting a plane to England. And people actually spending their money in this country rather than going to Dublin Airport in their droves every Saturday morning. So I think there is a football industry here which just need to realise it. Um, another important fundraiser, which I have to give a plug to, because Rory Houston, who was mentioned in, in loving terms by Dante's mother, knows Rory Houston. Yeah. That's like, Roy Houston is definitely one of my favourite people in the league. And one of the reasons is because uh, he's been very helpful at Sligo Rovers Players. But he told me to mention that they are releasing the showgrounds on Friday. And the showgrounds is. Is a song? A new beer. A new beer? Oh. I think this could be the first, second, actually, both of the Bose. Yeah. yeah. Just rob that of somebody else. But um, both of three players working, including Talbot. Bose of three players working for. <laughs> Bose of three players working for the craft beer company, the keyboard works for now. Talbot, Wardy, and. Uh, Daryl Leahy, I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just, like, he's got into the Ireland squad and he's delivering craft beer. Uh, um, anyway, um, so it's a new beer produced in conjunction with the White Hag Brewery that will generate funds for the club. So every one euro uh, you, uh, will be donated to Sligo Rovers for every pint. The beer is traditional. Hell's Lager, similar in style I don't to think you need lager. to read out the whole Stike thing. will put some money towards ground development at the moment. They're working on putting in a thousand new seats. In the main stands, Wait, how will that work? Are they going to go another tier up, or I'm not entirely sure. I saw, I saw that look great. Saw the picture where they were yeah. replacing some. It might be replacing and maybe yeah. Fan of the show Was there an area without? Yeah. Fan of the show Yeah, lovely ground yeah. and the pitch usually spot on. Favorite away venue. Um. Taller Turner's Cross. Yeah, don't put voice, don't answers into his. I was going to, I was going to say Turner's Cross, but the the pitch uh, the last year, I suppose, <laughs> when we've gone down there, hasn't been as as good as it was previously. Taller's always spot on, and then obviously the new stand behind us. Right. One one other follow on question: Does Oriel Park's ground hand, does the surface handicap or help the knock? Uh, I'll tell you when I retire. 
Oh, that's okay, that's a good games answer. this week, John. Like There's only three, three games because of Toulon. So <laughs> Bowes, Finn, Harps, and Friday. Toulon, Dundalk, <laughs> Sligo Rovers, and Pats and Cork. And in the first division, uh, well, we had the results last week. Shells won, Cove nil. Limerick won, Cabo nil. Bray two, Wexford one. Draw to three, Galway nil. Longford three, Atlone one. I see there's a twelve point gap in the first division too between sixth Limerick and seventh place Galway. So but, there you go. But four between sixth and top. Yeah, so that's close. And then uh, the fixtures this week: Atlone, Limerick, Cove, Bray, Galway, Cabo, Shells, Longford, and Wexford. Draw. Who do you think goes up in the first division? But I know you've probably not seen a huge amount of games. But any any sense ahead that might play out this year? Uh, shells seem like they're. A slow start and starting to tick now, and they've got such experience and, and goals in them, you know, between Ryan Brennan and, and Killian, yeah, or the, and uh, Kieran, yeah. So, um, I think they'll, I think they might kick on and, and win it. Obviously, Longford are, are very strong, and I think they've what, lost one all season, so. yeah, they've been strong. You obviously know Shells well because you were there just after the crisis, right? Mm. When, when the club was yeah. that was your start, right? In yeah, the league. so you know where that club has been through as such, if you get me. So, yeah, it has, it was, um. And there's a lot of proud people there, you know, and they're still at the club. I see them any time like, at events or, or play against them and that. Um, and I suppose I'd love to see them back for those people because, mm. you know, it's, what, 10, 12 years now since mm. since they were, um, I suppose, went down. And uh, they're, a, they're a big club if they're successful. Yeah. You know, like, obviously the support's not there now, but if they if they get successful again and they go up, you can see the crowds going up and... Especially if they go into a rejuvenated ground, like you know, in the Mount. We had, we had Julian Kenny on the show last week. He was saying like, why are they trying to create themselves an Northside club and they should be back in Irish Town and that facility there? And it was something I hadn't thought about because that that is their roots. Yeah, I know. I mean, listen, yeah, a lot of Shells fans would probably disagree with the idea of Daily Mount, and they still do. Um, and I I don't know, like. Uh, you know, I think that people when they were looking to take over the club, I think they were given the impression that that deal was done in terms of mm. element. And I, I don't know. You know, you, the one thing about having maybe a fan base that isn't massive, you, you have a chance to create new opportunities by moving to a new place. The flip side is, if it's synonymous with Bowes, then you're in their shadow as well. Who you know, if Bowes have got the right to get her too, but yeah, we'll but see. That'll be soon forgotten after a while. You look at massive clubs all over Europe, Sharon. Like I think it's a cultural talk thing. Is, I think talk yeah. is not feasible anymore. It's in a mm. bad state. It's run down. Look what you do. You stay there and yeah, in a demolished ground sort of thing. You know, yeah. you can't. You, I don't. I don't. Yeah, your stadium. Your stadium. Like you have to. If if the club is doing its its business right in other areas, then it should be able to overcome it. But at the same time, we don't have a culture of sharing stadiums here, so that's why. Yeah, you know, true, it's yeah. a it's a hard thing for people to swallow. But listen, we're, I think time is running out. Time is running out. If um if it if it came to this down the line, would you invade your campaign, injured football days in the first division, or would you be like, I want to go out on top? Uh, like Ruby know. Walsh going out like after winning the Punchstone Gold Cup. Just walk off after the last game. Um, I don't know. I really don't know. Obviously, I'm you know 33 at the end of the season. I feel great. I'm playing uh, playing well at the moment and and flying fitness wise. So envisage playing for for a few more years. But at the same time, um, I have a life outside of football, and I love that side of things in terms of business. Um, so you know, take take over the league and then Nile Quinn. So I'll take over you and Gary Rogers. Um, maybe not right at the moment. We wait a little while till someone has it up and running. Um, but yeah, I suppose that you never know what's down the line. I'm not going to commit to say anything there mm. because it all depends on um, the circumstances. Best of luck for the rest of the season. Thanks, Thanks for coming Cheers, in. Lads. That Cheers, was uh, season three, episode sixteen. But there are limits 